Welcome to Strength Roots Podcast, presented by Hyperthrive Athletics, where we dissect the mindsets, stories, habits, and tactics of elite performers. Strength Roots Podcast, the growth starts here. Welcome to another episode of the Strength Roots Podcast, presented by Hyperthrive Athletics. My name is Joseph Grinstein. I'm one of your hosts. Today, on today's episode, we have Mr. Gabe Lemon. Gabe is one of our good friends and someone that we at Hyperthrive have an immense amount of respect for professionally. His high standards and passion are evident in both his coaching and the creation of G6 Performance Training. He has built a brand and a community that values authenticity and ownership of our individual stories. Gabe himself is not afraid to tell his story honestly, and his authenticity is a lesson within itself. Gabe and G6's mission is to encourage its community members to define themselves, not by their labels, but through their actions. I'm honored to call Gabe one of my close friends and mentors, and we were honored that he shared his story with us and with all of you. Uh, It's a great story. Gabe is a great storyteller. There's an amazing amount of information and value within this episode. So without further ado, Mr. Gabe Lemon. What's up, HTA fam, and welcome to the Strength Roots podcast presented by Hyperthrive Athletics. Today, we've got an awesome guest, Mr. Gabe Lemon. What's up? What's up? Joining us. Um, we've known each other for a while now. Uh, amazing strength and conditioning coach, but an even better human. So I know we're going to have a great conversation and get some great knowledge and values for you guys, but I um, just wanted to welcome him to the podcast. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, I think we're all... Uh... Just not speak on it too much, but I think we're all a little shook today. About an hour or so ago, um, found out that Kobe Bryant passed away in a tragic helicopter accident. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure it hits a lot of people on a lot of different levels. I know, you know, he's had a big impact just on the mentality in my life as an athlete, entrepreneur, um, a creative, um, you know, somebody who is a worldwide icon at this point. Um, and I know we were just talking, and he's had a big influence on you as a person and as a business owner and as a coach. So, um, you know, shout out to Kobe and huge, um, you know, respect to him and, you know, empathy to his family and everybody that's going to impact. So, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, with that being said, let's get into the podcast. So, we definitely like to, to start by allowing people to tell their story. Right, because I think it's, um, especially in today's society, very important. Uh, Like with my generation, I think a lot of people feel the same way where we don't just want to see the business. We want to know who's behind it, their story, and how they got to where they they were. So I think a good place to start is, you know, what was childhood like, but also what were you like as a child? Um, You know, just start right from the beginning and and go wherever it kind of leads you. Yeah. Um, Let's start it off. So I'm the oldest of seven. I got, yeah, I got six, six sisters. <laughs> that, that says a lot right there. Um, taught you a lot of patience, mm-hmm. extreme patience, yeah. I think that's what pretty much got me into the sports world because, I mean, you mm-hmm. can't horse around with your sisters. You get in trouble <laughs> if that happens, you know. So um, I was a kid that had just too much energy, mm-hmm. you know, so I just used it on sports. Um, it caused me to lead from an early age. 
Um, once again, mom had to go do something at the time. Um, dad was, you know, he was around, but still working a lot. So it's like I had to sacrifice, you know, staying at home, mm-hmm. watching the girls, doing whatever it was, cook, whatever it is. Um, but and even then, when you have a family of seven, it's not like we were in the wealthiest, you know, grew up in L.A. Um, thank goodness my mom was, she was a huge advocate on trying to get us the best education. And so at one time I was living in Compton and had to drive all the way to like La Mirada, Buena Park area. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Um, by like Knott's Berry Farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's like an hour plus drive every morning. I was doing that since kindergarten. You know, use my grandma's address or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's a lot of discipline that was taught then, and, and then once again, we were moving a lot. So I don't even I can't even tell you guys how many schools I've been to. Cause like I said, if you have a family of seven, it's and you try to tell like homeowners like, oh, I have this many kids, it's like it's a no no. <laughs> yeah. So um, it I mean it was there were some challenging times. You know. A particular time was my junior year of high school. We were actually homeless for a while. Yeah. So that, that that was rough because nobody really knew. I'm going to school in Orange County. So it's like I'm around, you know, all the pizzazz and flash and this and that. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm getting, you know, my clothes out of storage, getting dressed at a Del Taco or whatever. And then, you know, I have to go to school and deal with whatever high school's challenges are um that was rough you know um honestly that that i think that year for football is actually one of my better years but i remember there's a point of time where this stuff was hitting me you know i was just like i'm tired of you know this struggle you know i was tired of struggling um i think i was in a very depressed time nobody really knew about it i was at the point, I was having honestly suicidal thoughts. Cause I was like, I can't do this, you know? I was like, no kid that's 15, 16 years old should have to, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of all my sisters. I have mm-hmm. to do schoolwork, you know? I became a leader in the football team. So I'm like, this, there's a lot of stuff going on. Meanwhile, you know, I don't know where my meal's gonna be at at the end of the night. I know my mom's working her butt off, but mm-hmm. it's only so much you can do, you know? So, um, it was a rough time. I was able to push through it. Um, end up what trans transferring? Yeah, transferring high school senior year. You know, Orange Lutheran. Um, that was a blessing in itself, right? Because I mean, I'm coming off the accolades of junior year, um, and yeah, I mean that that was a that was a huge growing moment right there, because I had no idea what to expect at a private school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was like, man, my first day on campus, Pete Carroll's there and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, it's crazy. But um, it was a, it was a definitely it was a it was one of those um, like epiphany type situations. You mm-hmm. know, I got out of my comfort zone, I met a great group group of guys, um, met coaches that still to this day are, you know, mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was childhood, man. Childhood had I mean, I think had struggles. I think everyone has struggles. I had some yeah. struggles, I had some growing pains. Um, There's joy. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it made me who I am today. Yeah. You know, during that time when you were struggling and like mentally you were going through that, did you have anybody you could lean on or did you feel like you didn't have anybody that you could like communicate that to? Um, at the time, no, didn't really have anybody yeah. because, 
you know, everybody's in their own world. High school mm-hmm. kids are all in their own world, you yeah. know. Uh, you're putting I, on a strong face. For yeah, your, absolutely. For sisters, absolutely. Sure. Um, there'll be moments I'll just break down and cry, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I remember, we're about to get real vulnerable here. There was one time I just, I just had, like, went to the kitchen and got, like, a knife. And I'm just like, hey, let's... <laughs> I'm about to, you know, I think it was like slitting wrist at the time where I'm about to try to go after a major artery, like really like looking it up on Google, like, oh, what's the major artery? I can just make it quick. And I was like, <laughs> I remember having it. I was like, man, this is this is not it. You know, I was like, you know, we're big on our faith. You know, that's what some of my mom established with me. And I'm like, nah, this is it's not how I'm going to go. You know, um, do you do you remember what the thought was that like ran through your mind that was it? just like this is this is not how i'm going out i just felt like i had more to give i'm like i'm only 15 16 at the time i'm like there's way more Mm -hmm. you know um and then i just felt like it i don't know i'd be letting my sisters down let my mom down let Mm -hmm. my friends down um Mm -hmm. but i know at that time and i we we talk about like um mental health now and depression Mm -hmm. that time's scary because you don't care about anybody Right, you can, it doesn't care what you don't care about what you you know what my sisters may have thought or how my mom, and that's just, that's a dark place to be in, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're like, I don't care what anybody is thinking, no matter how much they love you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, that's probably what I thought at that moment. Yeah. You know, did those experiences play a lot into you wanting to become a coach? And you know, obviously, you know, there's the training side, but that's you know. 20% of what you actually do, like, as a coach, you know, influencing athletes. So, like, is that – was that a big driver into you becoming a coach? Um, yeah, I could say a little bit. I guess I, as far as it helps you kind of relate to the kids, like, I'm like, guys, there's, there's a lot more to, you know, the little your, – your finals or, you know, sports yeah. um, or whatever's happening, you know, at home. I'm like, I know a lot of older people tell us, but I'm like, you really are, like, young, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the end of the day, you really are young. Mm-hmm. Like, you haven't even experienced life, and you yeah. know? So it's, and it is harder now. I tell the athletes, I'm like, it's way harder now with social media, and, I mean, you have so many people judging you, and you see people getting rich at 21, mm-hmm. you know, multi-millionaires. So I see there's a lot more pressure um, as as far as like that specific incident getting me into coaching, it just kind of helped me relate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I started to understand um, there's life outside of sports. Yeah. You know? Well, but like you said, sports were such a impactful thing in your life, right? So where did sports lead you in that time in your life, right? Because I know you played college sports. So maybe even kind of touch on that, what your experience was like with that. Um, it was just, I use sports like as an outlet, you know, I was like, I think all of us can say, oh man, I want to, you know, make it to whatever professional, you know, field it is. And I want to make millions of dollars and have this crazy life. Um, and, and I guess, like I said, during that, that time, you, it kind of gives you this identity of you're somebody. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I can be like, oh, I'm a football player at mm-hmm. San Diego State or I'm a, I play for, you know, Orange Lutheran High School or whatever it may be. So it gave me some identity, mm-hmm. you know. Something to lean on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Your transition from so from the private so you you went from freshman year to your junior year at, at the public school and then mm-hmm. you ended up transferring. Yeah. 
Um, and so it was that year before you transferred that you were homeless? Yeah, so, oh, man, it was funky. Um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, it was my junior year, junior year of high school. I was homeless. Yeah, and then second semester of my junior year, that's when I transferred. Yeah. What was that transition like? That, man, that was rough because at the time, you didn't have a lot of public school students transferring to private schools like what it is now. So mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, my junior year, I was like all county, second team, all American and all this, you know. Um, so it was a big it was a big thing because it wasn't just people at my school. It was people I had to hear it from people in the county. Mm -hmm. They're like, who's this, you know, this private school's, you know, mm -hmm. taking all our public school players and this and that. Oh, I'm like, really? yeah, I'm like, I'm just trying to play football, you know, because I didn't even know who Orange Lutheran was at, you know, during that time. I knew about modern day. Mm -hmm. I think like Matt Barkley was a man, you know, back in the day. Um, Servite, you know, St. John Bosco. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know who Orange Lutheran was. I just knew the caliber of football. That there, that's like, I guess you um, – the Trinity League's like the SEC of, you know, high school football. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was just like, you know, I want to be challenged. So that's mm -hmm. why I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I want to play with those guys who we always see, you know, on, on Friday nights and on the TV because I know I can keep up with them. You know, more validation mm -hmm. at the time because I'm like, yeah, I got all county, but I'm like, I'm trying to get all county up there and I know I'm the real deal if that's yeah. the case. Yeah. And were you getting recruited your junior year or was that more into your senior year? Um, The way... So I was getting recruited, but at the public school, they didn't really do a good job of recruiting. It's not what it is today. It's not mm -hmm. like you can, you know, make all these huddle videos and mm -hmm. Twitter and all that. And I think we had MySpace or whatever at the time. So we didn't have that access to coaches. Um, when I got, like I said, when I got to Orange Lutheran, like my first week, Oregon's there, SC's there, Washington. I'm just like, this is crazy. And good thing I had coaches that they were like, all right, we're going to, put some film together for you right now, you know? Yeah. So that was a different experience. Um, my mom was a huge advocate too. She'd make sure she'd put my film together and we were gonna send it out. Mm -hmm. um, so coaches knew about me, um, but senior year was like, okay, let's see what he does in this Trinity League. And so I think that's when the recruiting went up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you, so would you change anything about your recruiting process or, like, get started earlier or anything like that? Because we see a lot of, you know, athletes, regardless of sport, and I think it's getting a little bit better now compared to maybe when we were in high school, but it's like kids are starting, you know, like senior year, like, hey, I need to get a scholarship now, or it's like, well, you, you know, you may maybe should have started this process of, like, reaching out to coaches or putting together film or something like that, like maybe your sophomore year, just so they could get an idea of, you know, who you were and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So, like, what would you, like, as far as, like, the recruiting process, whether it's the athletes or parents, um, like, what recommend recommendations do you have or, like, is there anything that you would have changed about, like, how you were recruited or your recruiting process? Um, I think, once again, I think everything is different from when we were in high school, what, mm. I graduated in 09, right? I think it's a lot different from what's happening now because social media platforms, like you don't necessarily even need to make a true highlight tape. Like we were putting highlight tapes on disc. <laughs> now yeah. they can just throw like a little huddle link on Twitter mm -hmm. and coaches can see, you know? Um, but I do tell the kids now, and I wish I did this more, is take more visits. Like, don't feel, like, obliged to, like, oh, I only have to go. Even if it's, like, a non-official visit, go mm -hmm. take a visit. See how the school is. Um, see if you can live there after you graduate. Mm -hmm. 
because the last thing you want to do is graduate, put everything in, you know, in one pot. And if it doesn't work out, you're right back at home. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then as far as I, I think they get too caught up on scholarships. I'm like, if you guys just handle your business, focus on every, be present, focus on everyone, whatever game comes up. And I mean, the film will tell itself. Mm-hmm. Right, because I think kids are big on camps. Camps are huge, a huge thing now. I think we had we had camps a little bit. I think that was oh eight, oh nine. I remember going to like a SE camp, like rivals camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, we had a coach. He was like, "Those camps are cool, but those can those, that, that can be a make or break deal too." Because yeah. if you're not performing on that camp, mm-hmm. now you look. I'm not. You know, I'm not coming to your games yeah. <laughs> and checking right. you and checking you out. So you just got to be careful. Yeah. Um, yeah, those things can expose you in a good way but they can also expose you in a bad way yeah 100 <laughs> percent. what made your decision about san diego and then what was your experience like there true have you guys been to san diego <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> I was like if, you, if you've been to san diego i was like you understand and i was like a 17 year old kid going down to san diego state yeah. i was like shoot i was like who wouldn't want to go play in yeah. san diego mm-hmm. um and then i think i fell in well i won't say i fell into the trap but you believe the hype of what all the coaches tell you, like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to have you play the, you know, next year, start none of this. Yep. Um, but then you get there and you find, find out they yeah, you know, every other group yeah, that same thing. They tell you that and you don't get all the gear that they showed you and this and that. <laughs> and I'm like, ugh. Um, but, yeah, I, I think at the time it was like, I was, I'm not going to go to Boise. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have been to Boise. I was like, there's no way. It's way too cold. <laughs> it was like the highlight of Boise was like the little water park that they have open like two months out of the year yeah. <laughs> um and then everywhere else it's like east coast and i'm like i don't i don't want to go to the east coast i want to get far but not like i'm trying to play pac 12 you know or mm-hmm. pac 10 at the time yeah um but i think i just felt like once again i got caught up in the san diego lifestyle mm-hmm. you know i think they took us out to a little house party i'm like yeah this is where i'm going <laughs> i was like this is where i'm going and i get to play football it's like yeah, I was like, I want to change this program around because it's not like San Diego State was a hot thing, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day. It was like SC or, you know, um, I think ASU was decent, this and that. But I was like, you know, I'm, I'm I'm far away a little bit. You know, I'm about two hours away, whatever. I can go home when I want. You know, I'm in a great city um, and I can live here after, you know. Yeah. After college is done, I'm like, you know, ideal situation. I can hey, play for the Chargers. Boom. Yeah, I'm set, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that's. So once, you know, your college career kind of wrapped up, obviously you had an injury that kind of, you know, took you out of the play for trying to go to the NFL, um, you know, or play after college. What was your route like? Did you go straight into coaching after you stopped playing or what was your kind of route or your path after college? Like, you know, what was it like as you transitioned into coaching? Yeah, so that, man, after that last season that's probably one of the I'll say most memorable but yet you want to forget moments mm-hmm. because it's like okay I'm trying to get my body back right I got I came off this injury I'm trying to I end up training um in Colorado for a little bit for uh, get ready for pro day so I was there for two months with Lando uh no so it's called impact sports performance um the, my trainer was Tim Naiman Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he trains a lot of like hockey guys. I mean, it's not really a lot of football guys, and if there were, they were like big skill linemen. Mm-hmm. Like I was the first DB that they saw down there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I guess once all that was happening, I did pro day, just waiting. You know, that's all you can do is wait. I mean, you put everything into a wait. You still have to train. So, and then I ended up training um, in Pasadena. So I'd be driving, and I mean, I'm paying out of my pocket. I'm driving from L.A. to Pasadena every day. And that's like two-hour drive down there, two-hour drives back <laughs> for a 45, you know, 60-minute workout. Yeah. Um, and then I was doing Canadian workouts. But at the time, ego was so big. I'm like, man, Canadian is like, I'm better than this. I can play, you know, in the NFL. And I don't know if you guys seen a Canadian workout. They're a little, I wouldn't say they're money takers, but – I mean, if you don't know anybody within the Canadian thing, it's like, eh, you know, and there's only so many amount of Americans that can even be on the field. Um, but it, it, I, I did one Canadian workout, and I'm just like, I'm over it. Yeah. You know, I was like waiting to be cut. I was like, please let me get out of here. I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> you guys are, you know, dragging out the day. Um, and then after that, it was like, what do I do? You know, what do I do? I think at the time I was like, I just need a job. I'm staying at my grandmother's house. I'm like, I need a job, something can't stay we're used to regiment you know I'm used to routine so I'm like I don't want to be a police officer don't want to do firefighting I'm like army nah no um so I think I got into sales like door-to-door sales <laughs> I'm like I'm like this ain't it <laughs> I'm yeah. like I'm in the hood of Long Beach like late at night I'm like I'm good <laughs> um and then I just start uh looking for positions and I found this gym and then I sat down with them because I was looking to work front desk at first and then he's like, yeah, we need trainers. You know, you can get your cert, this and that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this process and uh, get in a certification, you know, start training people. And um, and then I start training athletes outside just because you're a former football player. Athletes are going to train with you, yeah. you know. So I just started doing that. Um, you know, we'll go to Long Beach or whatever by the beach and just hit, like, beach workouts or just meet at a park, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. What um? So how long were you after college down in in SoCal for before you moved up to the North? Oh, uh, it's probably about two years, maybe. Okay. Yeah, two years. And then what originally brought you up to Sacramento? Um, met my wife, who's my wife now. She's from Citrus Heights area, and then we found out we were expecting, so we uh just moved here closer to her family. Right, yeah. And then you just basically transitioned right into coaching once you got up here. Yeah. So when I got up here. I was like, I need to, people need to know who I am. Mm-hmm. So I end up filling out applications to certain high schools, just hitting high school coaches up. Oh, you know, I'm a DB, DB coach. I played, you know, defensive back at San Diego State, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm a trainer and just start seeing who, you knew, who needs help. Uh, ran into Intercom High School in Natomas. Ironically, one of my former teammates played for Intercom. So that just, you know, that helped me out. Um, so I end up going with them. I mean, you don't get paid a lot for these coaching gigs. But at the same time, like, kids get to see who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I remember coming out first practice. Um, and then <laughs> I think I got the kids' respect because I'm like, I know everything you guys are doing within 20 minutes. You guys run wing T. I'm like, there's only so many plays you can run out of wing T. <laughs> and then teaching them, like, defensive schemes, like going to the receivers and telling them what I would expect you know, from you as a D, as a DB or going to the DBs, like trying to teach them, um, you know, what to expect from receivers and how the older receivers are going to give you these looks and, you know, certain tendencies that they can give away. Um, so it, it worked out, ended up working out. And then I ended up landing with a, a gym in ESAC called Fitness Rangers. Mm-hmm. 
So that was a blessing in itself because I didn't realize what clientele I was getting. I'm, I got all the housewives, lawyers, like all the big name people. And I'm like, cool. You know, and I started doing um, teaching boot camps and I was getting more certs at this time. Once again, a little more validation um, and to start meeting people, just connecting. That's all it was. It's making relationships. So that, that was the easy part. You know? and, and you didn't have a college background of like Kines or anything like that? No, I wish. Yeah. I, I was like, I was a social major and then minored in graphic design. At the time, I went to do branding, so like business marketing. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a little foreign when I was starting to go for the search. I was yeah. like, oh, I know, I know what to do in the weight room. I mean, we've been doing this all now, so we have to learn like the science and application behind it. Yeah. And that's when it was like, okay, and I can do this. How, like how we first connected was through social media, mm-hmm. right? And I, I remember when we first saw your page, and it was like everything you did, we'd be like, man, everything he does is good. Yeah. Like this is all so aligned with exactly what we do and what we believe in. And I feel like, like a college degree is good. Like it gives kids a base, but by no means does it prepare you to be a coach, right? But there's so much access to information through the internet, through all the platforms that we have, podcasts, like. You can learn so much about strength and conditioning, but the flip side of that is, like, you can learn so much bad, right? Like, if you're getting all your influence and all everything you learn as a trainer or a coach, or I'm, I guess in any profession now, through social media or through the Internet, and you're not doing, like, a little bit deeper dive, like, it, it can put you down some wrong paths, right? So how did you originally, like, filter through all that information and, and where were you getting your information and like honing your skills as a coach? Yeah, so I think this is as a trainer in general or strength conditioning coach. If you're not like looking at stuff you possibly did like months beforehand or years mm-hmm. beforehand and not like cringing, like what the heck was I doing? Then I think you're doing something wrong. Because there's stuff I look at, like I'll go down my page. I'm like, I had this person doing like, mm-hmm. why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, probably even at the time you guys hit me up, I'm like, did you really think everything I was doing was correct? Yeah. Um, but uh, the Jiminy Sack Fitness Rangers, the cool part about it, we had so many trainers in different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, even getting over there, um, I, was like, I was like the youngest trainer. I'm only, yeah. I was only like 24, maybe. Um, so met a lot of good trainers over there, and we, uh, we had partnership with Kime, mm-hmm. PT, so we'd be doing – you know, knee assessment, bulletproof knee assessment, shoulder assessments, and I'm just like, man, this is, this is cool. I'm like, okay, now I under, I'm under, starting to understand why I was doing, you know, when I was in the gym, how much, like, work and effort that our strength and conditioning coaches put into. Because mm-hmm. um, at first, when I started training, I'm like, I'm training people like they're football players. Yep. You know, and that was, that was like the 45-year-old housewife. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I remember there was one time I, one of my first clients I had, and she, she might, she was definitely overweight, and you know, we're talking about from feet to knee, like, this all joint issues, everything, and I'm just over here trying to tell her to, you know, box jump and do all this, and I'm like, what in the heck? I should have taught her, like, walking patterns, crawling patterns, like, all this yeah. You know, like all this stuff. And I'm just like looking back. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> but once again, it's, I, mean, I guess as you start to grow and, and get older and, and just get more knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, we have so much access. Like literally you can go on YouTube. And yes, you do have to be careful about, you know, what you filter in. And you can't just apply it like so quick. 
can't be like, oh, I just saw them doing a Bulgarian squad. I'm okay. I'm gonna yeah, ho hop cool. in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna hop in and make them do it. You gotta. And I think that was cool with Kaim, how we broke everything down. I'm like, here, I get a point of view from a PTs, you know, and see how they do progressions and this and that. So, um, man, that was just, I, I think it was as far as this circumstance, I was blessed to be in this situation where I'm like, here, I'm at this gym to where I get so many different types of clientele that it's only making me better as a trainer, you know, and then it helped me with coaching too, because I think that's, I th like we said, there's people who got, you know, these Kinesi <laughs> degrees, but they don't know necessarily know how to coach. Yeah, that was going to be, so my next question yeah. was going to be like, because I, I feel like it's a very, there's like a transition in coaching when you start to find your voice as a coach, right? Like you start to find your style or your communication skills or just how you connect with your athletes and, and with your clients. So like, when did you kind of feel that take place? And how do you feel like you evolved in those early years as a coach when you started to find your own voice and your own uh, unique abilities within the, the industry? Yeah, I started I started figuring it out. Like, uh, I guess, yeah, once I moved to SAC and once I started getting all this clientele, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I can't. You got thrown in the fire. Yeah, I, I definitely got thrown in the fire, especially teaching boot camp classes. Mm -hmm. Like, teaching boot, like, controlling a whole a group of kids on a field is completely different than a closed space. And yeah. when you have grown adults who are kids themselves, mm -hmm. you know, so when I was starting to teach a lot of boot camp classes, I'm like, okay, how am I, how am I going to get all, you know, 25 people to understand what I'm talking about, understand the cues that I'm trying to give, you know, cause I mean, the hard part is in a boot camp setting. Um, there's a lot of like, okay, you know, competition, blood starts going, and then people just start kind of throwing form out the window. But um, my cues started getting better for coaching. Yep. Um, like I said, I, I knew how to control a room. So I think I, I learned that within in football a little bit. So if somebody kind of tries to, you know, mess up the flow of class, you know how to address it quick, but without addressing them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, cause some people will feel offended if you get at, to them personally. It's like, okay, yeah. how can I address you? And you know, I'm talking to you, you know, but I'm not like yelling at you personally. Mm -hmm. um, so the boot camp classes helped me out extremely. And then, like I said, training like ages from eight to you know 65, you know, cause I'm like, if I can get this little eight-year-old to understand my cues, right? This should be easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. then especially like, let's say, you know, we have our older clientele. You know, they, that they have, like, a list of just, you know, past injuries and this and that. And once again, we go through the progressions, this and that, and teach the cues. Because, you know, I don't like to be in people's bubble. You know, I don't want to be that trainer that's all hands-on. Just, you know, we already get a bad label being a trainer. I'm like, okay, if I can get them to understand without being hands-on and understand my cues. I, I like using analogies a lot. I think you guys are big on analogies, too. Like, almost, it almost felt like everything else in the middle was easy. If I can get like an 18 year old kid that's fully healthy, I'm like, this is cake, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think there's so much value in that because a lot of like kids will come straight out of college and I'll ask them what they want to do. They're like, I just want to work with athletes. Like one, that that's not going to work. Like you got to build up clients with whoever's going to pay you, yeah. right? Just you got to make a living. But like, I remember my, my first paid job was when I was in college, and I had already done a ton of internships at this point, working with high-level athletes. But then, so, you know, I thought I was this big, bad strength and conditioning coach. I had just been at Alabama and Berkeley working with, you know, elite athletes. And I go, and I get 
like a group of 11 to 13 year old girls, 20 of them in a session. And I have minimal, I have like a set of dumbbells, some bands, and like maybe three sets of TRXs or something. And I got 20 girls, like, and I walk in the room and they're all screaming and going crazy. And I'm like, oh man, like, <laughs> this is, you know, like that was so much more of a challenge than working with elite athletes ever was. But if I can control and cue that group to the point where they're actually looking good and like getting work done, like, man, like you said, like when I step back into a group of 18 year olds who, you know, are serious and have a little, you know, a decent background in strength training, like that's easy. Like you walk back into that environment and it becomes easy. Um, and I think it goes the same with like adults and gen pop, like the way you communicate with, you know, a 65 year old who is obviously their goals are a little bit different, but just honing your craft and having the ability to communicate effectively to such different populations is going to be such a positive impact on, on your career. So I think people need to take more opportunities to like almost like try to work with different populations because the advantages it's going to give you as a coach. Yeah. Anybody who asks me, cause they're like, Oh, cause they see my stuff. Like Gabe, I want to get into training. I'm like, what should I do? Should I go right after this, you know, this certain blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's good. Obviously you want to know what you're doing. Yeah. Right. And why you're doing it. But I'm like, honestly gets get out there and get somebody like I don't know if it's your friend you know get somebody to like that you can be on the field with and like work with yeah get some reps you know what I mean like do that and you'll start to see you'll start to see like if you have a client and you say something to them they're like huh like what (laughs) you know you'll be like okay and then Mm -hmm. it, it makes you have to adjust on the fly yeah and I, and once again, I think that's where you can use that athlete mentality because, I mean, you guys have been doing that your whole life, mm-hmm. right? You don't get in a game and know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, things happen and you have to learn how to adjust. And so I'm like, it's almost like that with training. You know, I think that's why I gravitate to it because there are some circumstances where I say something and I can see, you know, maybe a kid in the back corner, he doesn't understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So then I could take time aside, you know, after I explain everything, walk over there. And I have to give him a different analogy or him or her or, you know, I have to break it down in a, a different cue to where they understand it. And they're like, oh, I get it. And that's mm-hmm. that's so that's so satisfying. Yeah. You know, I know you guys know. Yeah, and it's yeah. like like you said, I mean, when you first got the sack, I mean, you basically volunteered your time at Intercom. I know when we were, you know, first laying the foundation of our business, I mean, we volunteered and, you know, did a ton of free work. So I think that's a huge thing, you know, one, if you're a new coach or you're trying to get into it, get around somebody who's already successful as a coach and, and who's an effective communicator, but also to put yourself in positions where you're going to be coaching a huge variety of people. Um, like Joe said, like you said, I mean, I think a great place to start is starting with young kids because in a sense, they are like the hardest to coach at first. Um, they're, you know, they're a fun group to work with, but like you have to be super effective on how you connect with them and how you, you know, teach different, different things. Um, and also too, just like studying the art of communication. So like pick up books, like how to win friends and influence people or a book called crucial conversations. Um, cause really the thing that's going to set you apart as a coach, like obviously you need to be solid on the, the training side and the science side. But, like, if you're super good at that, but that's all you're good at and you can't communicate it, you're not going to be successful as a coach or if you want to be a business owner, entrepreneur. I mean, that's 
90% of the game right there, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you know, take your time to get that experience. Study the training side, but early in your career, like, study just as much on the communication and the people skill side, and that's really, like, what's going to set you up for success long term. So one thing I want to ask you is, like, I know you're extremely connected to your values, right? Like, just from conversations with you and even what you put out on social media, like, everything you do is very intentional as far as connecting it back to your values and kind of your mission. And I think everybody gets into strength and conditioning with, like, an idea of what their mission is, right? Like, it's like help athletes. Help athletes get more elite, right? And that's, it's like almost like surface level when you first get into it. It's like, oh, I was an athlete. I want to help athletes. And then I think your mission becomes more clear as you get deeper into your career. Like for me, that definitely transitioned where I used to see strength and conditioning just as strength and conditioning. And now I see it as a vessel for me to affect people's lives in so many ways outside of just what's going on in the gym. So do you feel like your mission has kind of evolved as you've gotten later into your career? Um, yeah. Um, as far as the whole G6 performance, you, if you mm-hmm. see on my page, I'm always talking about define yourself, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, that can be so broad. I don't think people um, really understand that. So I try to, you know, make sure whatever content I'm putting out, like you guys really try to get, I'm not here to just build you up physically, mm-hmm. you know? I'm like, I got to make sure, and just like how we were talking about, if you don't know how to communicate with a client, and they can care less what you know. I think Ram said it right. They don't. They don't. Um, what's the? What's they the? They don't uh, care how much you know until they know how much they you know care. Much yep. care. Yes, and I'm like, when he said that, I was like, boom, there it is. That's exactly. You can care less, you know, because um, yes, you you gravitate to whatever title. You, you know, you might have the CSCS. You might be the former NFL player, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You know, so they can gravitate to that. But what's going to happen when we're in that closed setting, that closed environment? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen when, you know, someone walks in through those doors and you, they're having a hard day, mm-hmm. you know, and you can tell, like, I mean, you guys catch those vibes quick. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's like, okay, when I'm saying define yourself, like, tell me who you are without saying I am a so-and-so baseball player mm-hmm. or this and that. Like, yeah. I'm like, that's what you do. Yeah. I'm like, who are you? Like, you know, yeah. and, and, that, and, and that's the beauty because when you ask those questions, now they got to really think, like, Okay, who am I, who like who am I like what yeah. you know character characteristics or whatever do I have to provide that you know I can use outside of sports and that's what I try to tap into that's what my whole I guess as we were saying like that's that whole um, as far as thing I'm trying to push out to you know my clients mm-hmm. um, is is like guys like this is cool but you're not going to be with me forever mm-hmm. I hope you're not with me forever you know I hope hopefully I've done my job to where. You start to understand, and, and then you can take in and remember something I told you And when you're 35 or whatever. You're passing it on to the next person, and that's, that's influence. So if yep. you're saying you're an influencer <laughs> on social media, that's what influence is. If I can get a value from your post and then I go share it with somebody mm-hmm. or passes them, you know, not me posting a picture of myself and, you know. Sharing a 10% off link. To yeah, like that's, you know, that's why it was so hard for me to get into – like online program, come like, man, I feel like you, it like, is this like, you can't get that like personable, you know, counter with the trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Paul does a, Fabrice does a great job of that. Like you get to know who that guy is. Like you're not Serious just, post. you're not just downloading the vert code. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, he's putting himself out there. He's telling you about his life. He's, you know, he's breaking it down. He's putting more posts than, you know, 
he's putting more than just, uh, I guess you can take technique or, you know, skills that you can apply in the weight room. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's what, when, if you see my page or if you get to know me, like, I want you to know who I am before I try to, you know, give you a cue for anything, Yeah. you know? Yeah. For real. Well, and also too, I know you've talked about in the past, like, you know, with social media, and I, I think it might've been a mentor of yours you were kind of talking about. And, you know, when you were first kind of starting up like the, the G6 brand, Whereas, like, you know, do I go just strictly business or do I kind of mesh the two? And I know you talked about, like, you you know, you're big on posting stuff with your wife and, and your daughter and, you know, about family and stuff. And then, you know, talking about the training side, too. Um, and I think that's, you know, a way that, you know, through social media, you can build trust a little bit more, like show people a glimpse into your life instead of just like, you know, we try to do it a little bit on the Hyperthrive page. We're not as good. I know you're a lot better than us. <laughs> Um, at that, you know, aspect, we, we tend to stay more on the training side, but we're trying to open it up a little bit. But I think you do a good job of, like, kind of letting people in and, you know, not just, like, here's, you know, a set of squats and some deadlifts and stuff, but here's a little bit about kind of what's going on in my life and, mm-hmm. you know, showing funny do- videos of your daughter doing stuff yeah. and that type of thing. Yeah, I think we just we got to learn to be vulnerable, you know. Like, that's... <laughs> like that's I, was, I was just going to say uh, that. Yeah, that's the biggest word is just be vulnerable, um... Because, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, I mean, it doesn't matter how much money someone else has or this or that. Like, how many certs this person has or I'm, I'm like, guys, like, <laughs> I, I, I guess it is everyone has flaws. Yeah. That's what I start to realize, you know, everyone has flaws. Mm-hmm. So, yes, someone might be more experienced than you. And if they are, ask, ask them, mm-hmm. ask. And if you're the experienced person, tell, like, yeah. let them know, you know. Because that's the thing that's scaring people is fear, you know? Yeah. Fear is, is, is... Well, and that's, like, one thing. Like, people don't connect enough vulnerability with bravery. Like, the bravest thing you can do, the most courageous thing you can do is entirely be yourself and own it, right? And, like, it, that's hard to do. Like, it's, it's hard to do. But I think you have to become very clear with who you are before you have the power to do that. Like, you have to, and I think it goes right along with your brand of, like, defining yourself right like you need to start asking yourself the right questions i feel like that's one thing that i've learned in the last year that the most powerful thing you can do is constantly question your own beliefs question your own values question who you are like it that's not a negative thing to do that and i think one thing for me is like understand that it's always going to change and that's why you have to continue to ask yourself those questions like i hate hearing people say people don't change I'm like, well, what have I been doing for the last 25 years? Because I'm way different than I was even six months ago, right? And I hope, I hope it'll be like that for the rest of my life. I don't, I don't ever want to stop changing. Like, I always want to grow. But you have to become very clear with yourself and ask yourself a lot of really good questions and actually work at it. Like, work at thinking and work at defining yourself and getting really true to yourself and, I guess, just knowing yourself really well so that you can put that out to the world and be vulnerable and be courageous because that's the most that's the bravest thing you can do is expose yourself to the world tell your story and that's how you can actually help people that's how you can influence people is if you open up and you're vulnerable enough to really like show your true colors because you see so many and it happens with trainers it happens with influencers where they're they're just trying to put up their highlights of their life right and i think that's even one thing that i want to talk on today is like I think it can, you can show it with any career, but I see it so much with trainers where 
they feel like they have to be a certain kind of person on social media or they feel like they have to be a certain kind of person in front of their clients. And people see right through that. Like, they see right through that. And I think you probably, we've talked about it before too. Like, how do you think a coach or any person in their profession can start to become more familiar and more self-aware so that they can be more vulnerable and be more um, just true to themselves in that public eye? Um, I think you hit on it earlier, Aaron, as far as reading. Like, I think mm-hmm. I was doing, like, leadership books. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it's crazy because you, you might read a certain chapter and you're like, oh, I've been doing that already. And now you get some, like, self-reflect. Some, like, you're like, okay, like, I can... And I write stuff down. Yeah. I, write, I write a lot of stuff down now. I can't just feel like, oh, I'm going to get to this or blah. I make sure um, I, I even put characteristics about myself down. Mm-hmm. I'll write that down. I'll put stuff I want to accomplish down. You know, um, a, a big thing that I have learned is do not give your past more credit than your future. As in, we have, and, and I get it, we get caught up way too much in like, okay, I. And I use, I'm using football, for example. I'm like this former NFL player. I'm like, okay, what can you do for me now? Like, that's cool. But I'm like, who are you now? You know, like, that's something you did, like, two, three years ago. That's cool. Like, we do it way too much. You might have the client that comes in, they're like, oh, I used to be this and that back when I was 21. I'm like, I don't care. Like, that's all cool. Let's, let's focus on what's happening now, you know? Like, not even necessarily thinking too much about the future, right? Uh, it's cool if you want to put some goals down. Like I think everybody should do that because, I mean, if you don't have goals or if you're not writing down like a plan, then, hey, you're just going out there all willy-nilly and hope everything, you know, this fate <laughs> takes its turn. Um, so, yeah, a, a lot of reading, writing down, um, and then just being around a group of people that are going to, like, lift you up, challenge you. Yeah. Not just your friends who are going to be like, yeah, I support you. Like, eh, you know, I don't can get you so far. <laughs> You know what I mean? Be around some people that are, you know, be like, hey, Gabe, why are you doing this? Or where are you at now? And then it gets back to you asking yourself, like, oh, I should have been doing this and that, you know? So just making sure you have a good group of people that are around you. They don't have to be just like you, Mm -hmm. you know? Find somebody a little bit different, you know, but still has those same values you have. Yeah. Um, And that will just help lift you up, keep pushing you forward, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think, like, I was listening to a podcast last week and um it was reed hoffman and he was talking about the best relationships or the best friendships in your life should help you to answer life's most important questions and i like i i challenge people to be that be that friend for your friends like i do that all the time when i have a question pop up into my head that i'm like thinking on or kind of meditating on like i'll shoot it to my friends because one i want to i want to challenge them and i want to open up that avenue for them to do the same for me Right. Like I want them to feel like they can kind of question what I'm doing because I never want it. I don't I don't just want a cheering section like I want I want you to challenge me as a human being. And so I, I'm glad that you touched on that. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I want to get into is like I'm always obsessed with people's daily habits. Like I just love hearing about people's daily habits. So what are like some daily habits that you think have contributed the most to your success? Um, well, now that I'm waking up at the crack of dawn, you yeah. know, <laughs> Um, just taking time for myself. Yeah. You know, like literally if it's like sitting in the living room, like you can make your coffee, mm-hmm. like have that going, sit in the living room. Um, like I said, I'm big on my faith, so I pray. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I talk to God just like I'll be talking to you. 
you know, I don't want to make it seem like so foreign. I'm like, hey, he's my friend. He's my provider. Mm -hmm. So I'm just sitting just talking like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Like, I need help, <laughs> you know, um, and just like try to speak, just speak things into existence. Yep. Don't say like, oh, I hope this. Like, uh-uh, just like be like, oh, I'm going to have the gym or I'm going to be training pro athletes or whatever it is. Um, and then reading, like I said, I've been, I've read way more books than I have, you know, this past year in 2019. Um, so that, that was big because even taking that time to, you know, even if it's 10 pages a day, because sometimes I'll be like, oh, I have to get to, you know, chapter five. And I'm like, I'm not even processing, <laughs> you know, podcasts is a big thing too. Like listening to podcasts with some value into it has been helping. So I like to do that um, even on my drive to work. So it already allows me, I'm, I'm putting into myself before I try to put into others. Yeah. That's how my day begins. I got to make sure I'm taking time for myself and not, automa not automatically, like, I'm trying to do a better job of getting up and just checking my phone. Like, I don't check my phone, yeah. you know, and that's, that works miracles. I know iPhone now, like, gives you at the end of the week how long you've yeah, been yeah. screen, screen time, time. Yeah. which is humbling. <laughs> But I was like, I try not to, I don't want to answer my phone, you know. Mm -hmm. If anything, I might look at a text, just make sure clients and all that situated. But you won't see me check social media out, you know. I'm just like, I'm not trying to compare my life to somebody else's yep. right when I wake up. Yeah. Yep. And that's an issue. Like, <laughs> we have a lot of cats just, you know, they wake up, they go look at Instagram. And like you guys said, you see highlights. And meanwhile, you're like, oh, you're either trying to get up to where they're at how, that's how your day is going to be or your day is going to feel like crap already because yeah. you're like man I'm not doing what you know so and so is doing I mean we've been caught with it you know yeah. not saying that that happens all the time but I've done a better job of like I'm not here to compare myself mm -hmm. with anybody um, you know so I make sure I'm like I'm not on social media you know I, I, I let that alone um, and yet and just and, and get after the day and, and don't necessarily just be present I mentioned that earlier mm -hmm. So if I know I'm going to have a long day, the more I keep thinking about my 6 p.m. client or 7 p.m. client, the worse my day is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, let me just take it, you know, one hour at a time. Yeah. Next thing you know, it's like the day's done, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and then by the time at the end of the day, I get to spend the, spend the day with my wife and my daughter yeah. and just chill and yeah. get, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And you talk about presence, um, you know, obviously me being married and having a, a new son at home, it's been a learning experience for me and like super eye-opening I'm sure like as you're, when your daughter was a little younger as you know you're a little ahead of me but it same thing happened to you it's like separating you know the, your time in the gym and what happened with your clients and then once you get yeah. home like being completely present it's, yeah. it's a huge learning curve yeah um, and also too like you know running a gym and like uh, for you like owning your own business and like having to do the social media content and all that stuff I mean, do you have any tips as far as like how to kind of separate those two? Um, yeah, I, it's, it goes back to our whole thing on like, I'm, okay, I'm not just an athlete, right? That was mm -hmm. before. Now it's like, I'm not just a trainer. Yep. I'm a husband. Mm -hmm. I am a father. Like, there's so many things that <laughs> we have so many hats on, as I like to say, throughout the day. So I actually had one of my good friends when his dad broke it down best. He's like, never... And, and he he told me this before we got married because he's actually the one who wedded us. He um, so he 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 told me he's like never like give more attention to your clients than you do at your house. Mm -hmm. I'm like man, that makes sense. I got caught in this hole, and you know you get caught into this thing where 
like, man, the clients get all of you, and then you get home and you put it on your wife, or you put it on your kids, you know what I mean? And it's like they don't deserve they don't deserve that, you know what I mean? So, um, I I guess it's it's no being more aware of that as far as okay, this is going to be my time. This is going to be my time with my clients. And then even on that drive on the way home, it's like, okay, I get to woosah a little bit and be like, all right, the minute I open that door, I know my little girl's running toward me yeah. and know that you need to have a new amount of energy because <laughs> the day is not done, you know? So do that and then make sure, you know, you're letting your wife, ask your wife, How, how's her day doing? Or, you yeah. know, and, and even with that, I mean, that's a whole nother subject because when a kid gets brought into your life, you and your, you know, you and your wife, you and your partner, you guys lose each other a little bit. And you got to remember, like, what got you this child in the first place? What got us to this point? So we've been, I mean, with, we've had premarital counseling. Even with that, it's like, take some time. Even if it's like 10 minutes in the morning or 10 minutes at night, like, find some time to be like, okay, how is your day going? What are some things we need to work on? Um, and things have gotten better since my wife's actually handling a lot of the business into things. So I get to take a hat off and she's wearing it. Now, so I don't have to worry about, okay, where's this client at session-wise? Yeah. Has this payment been made? She's taking care of all that. Where are we at with the QuickBooks? That's all her. So that brings us a little closer, you know, and that's stuff we get to talk about. And then I do a lot of, and I'm, I'm sure you guys do it too, I'll, I'll take trips. We'll eat, like, if it's us going to Tahoe, going to Santa Cruz, like, clear the mind for it a little bit, you know? It's, um, and, and that helps. Like, you got to give yourself that self-love, that self-care. So one thing, like, I, I like to ask is, like, who is a role model or someone in your life? Because I think role model becomes a term where we, we think about it like a person on a pedestal, where it has to be, like, you know, a big, successful person or, like, a coach. But who's just someone in your life that you look up to? And, like, what do they consistently teach you? Anyone that's being consistent. Yeah. <laughs> that's my role model right Bro. now. It's... it's um, it's people who are just, they're, they're trying to grow every day, mm -hmm. you know? They're trying to learn something new. Mm -hmm. um, just keep pushing forward, but at their pace, mm -hmm. you know? It's cool when you get to meet somebody and you're like, oh, he's, he or she's not worried about anybody else. Yep. They're moving at their pace, you know what I mean? But they're getting stuff done, and, it, yeah. and you can tell, like, stuff will just start flowing. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's why I gravitated toward you guys. I'm like, oh, you know, these new guys in the area. And then the fact that you guys reached out to, like, trainers. Mm -hmm. You guys reached out to trainers. And then I shoot over the months over well, it. Has it been a year now? I feel like it's probably almost it's been, been a year. Sure. Maybe even more. Yeah, I think it's been over a year. But, man, the, like, like the symposium, like one of those times where we got to be in a group of, you know, like-minded individuals who are on the same field. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, Rams did a good job of making sure, like, hey, man, like, no one's bigger than the next guy, you know, the person next to you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, this is dope. Like, because yeah. you, you don't find that every day. You don't, you find, don't find that in any situation. No, you never do. Because I, I think I, I, I didn't even tell you. I was like, man, I was intimidated to go at first. I'm like, man, I don't want to. That's why I was asking if you guys are going. The next right. thing you know, it, I'm like, y'all speaking. I was, I was speaking at it, and I was, <laughs> I was intimidated like, to I be there. I was like, I'm intimidated. I'm like, I've only been doing this for but at the same time, like, you would have never known who those people were. You wouldn't, mm -hmm. you know, as far as where they're at, as, you know, in, field, in the field. And I think, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if it's something that everyone struggles with, but I, I feel like the more I talk to people, no one is ever super confident about their own abilities. At, at least 
not as much as you would think, right? Mm, like, yeah. like someone who was attending that symposium and saw me speak, like I, re- I remember being in the shoes of someone, you know, when it was my first conference. Like we took one of our interns there, right? And it was, it was his first conference. But it was only four years ago that I was in ex- his exact same place. And I remember looking at people on stage and being like, man, look at them. Like, you know, and it was like, I couldn't even, you can't, you can't put yourself into their shoes. But it's such a small gap between that. And I think the more you feel, the more you get comfortable with feeling like, okay, I don't really need to be fully prepared or feel fully prepared, but I just need to start taking action, right? And I think that's kind of what you're talking about is like someone who just takes action and is just consistent with it. Yeah, and like you said, people who keep you accountable, you mm-hmm. know, that's a big thing too. Um, and I'm going back, we're using Rams, you know, because yep. I'm like, this dude's my age and is the head of the, like, Kings, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's the head dude at the Kings. I'm like, oh, if this is not a, like a a wake-up call, but, <laughs> but the way I approached him, he, you know, he would have thought I was on staff, like the way he talked to me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm trying to Hollywood you, I'm bigger than anybody else. Yeah. It was just like, like talking to Paul. I'm like, yeah. this dude got probably like a million followers. And I'm yeah. like, but this guy was like, shoot, man, you probably jump higher than me. And I'm like, doubt it, but, you know. <laughs> but I'm just like, man, every, like, this, everybody's just, just cool vibes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and they want to um, help people learn get better like it's that um i read this in a book it's like that ladder effect like when are you climbing on top of the ladder are you going to put it down and bring help you know allow someone else to get up there with you because yep. it's lonely at the top yeah you know and that's that's the way i've um i've been approaching life and i want to make sure like oh if i'm the one at the top make sure put the ladder down someone else can climb with me because i know i'm gonna need somebody to put the ladder down for me mm-hmm. you know it's a repetitive cycle that you know that's that's what life is man like I, it can't be great i mean it can't be that much great at the top and you have nobody there with you mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so. and i think the more high level coaches i get around like the more you realize that the higher level the coaches the more they're there willing to like help other people you know get to their level yeah um you know there's probably you know a small small per- percentage who might have too big of an ego to you know help other people or whatever the case may be but like the vast majority of high level coaches want to be in more of a mentorship role and like help you know younger coaches get to a higher level and become better coaches and become more sound on the training side Mm -hmm. um and i know for you know me personally and for us at hyper thrive i'm sure for you like the it's been crucial for us to put ourselves in situations and and rooms that we may be uncomfortable because ultimately, if you're not putting yourself in those type of situations, you're not going to grow much as a coach. Like, you know, obviously, experience getting the coaching side and studying, but like putting yourself, whether it's a high-level trainer or high-level business owner, entrepreneur, or, you know, let's just say somebody who's been married for 20 more years than you who has a successful relationship, like putting yourself in situations and around people, like you said, that can be in a mentorship role who you can learn from is huge. Mm-hmm. So... what. What would you say is like, like I like to call it a superpower, but like, like what do you think is your superpower? You know, like what is something unique to you, an ability that you think has created a lot of your success? Um, I can adapt. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, I can adapt. Like, it, where, do you, where I, do you think that comes from? Childhood. Just mm-hmm. as you asked me all those questions earlier, I said we moved a lot. Mm-hmm. We did this and that. I mean... I had six sisters. They all six didn't come at once. 
<laughs> you know, came like every other Christmas. But uh, <laughs> but it was like that. It's like, okay, you know, now, like my friend pointed it out to me. He's like, man, you've been a leader from the jump. Because I didn't even like look at it like in that mm-hmm. way. I'm like, okay, uh, you know, I see where you're coming from. And then like transferring schools and this and that. You have to adapt. Like you said, put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. I've been in uncomfortable situations my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, even with the the point of, like I was telling you guys earlier, like, that time I grabbed that knife and was like, look, I'm struggling. Like, that was probably the most uncomfortable. I was not comfortable in that position, you know, but I was like, I'm more than this. Mm-hmm. You know, I got more to give. And I was, like, shoot, putting that down and, you know, like I said, like, yeah, like, shoot, man, even there's moments, you know, as a collegiate, you know, football player, it's like, dude, is this something I really want to do? got to ask yourself you know but I knew those moments were challenging me as a person because if I quit it's just going to come back somewhere else in life and I'm just going to be like ah I'm done you know that's why I preach to the athletes I'm like whatever you guys are building right now like whether it's school you know at home you know like that that's that's the character that's you you know like I said that's you you know whether it's something like picking up a, a cup off the floor and putting it in the trash like that's saying like, hey, I can do that without somebody with all without all eyes on me. That means, hey, I can go in the gym and put in work. I don't have to videotape it, and you know, throw it on IG live or whatever. Like, can you do that? You know, because there's gonna be moments where, like you said, we're wearing all these hats. Where you know, you're the father, you're the you're the husband, or you know, you're the business owner. You the you got to do the little things. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I I think adapting to you know certain circumstances and situations has been. You know, it's always been my superpower, quote unquote, because mm-hmm. now I can, it helps me with my clients. Like, there's, there's very rare if someone can make me uncomfortable, you know? And if you Go make me, yeah, it's <laughs> like, if you make me uncomfortable, that this might be like, uh, you may just, not, I may not flow with you. Probably that, nothing that against you. That might be your superpower. Yeah. <laughs> you can make, make yeah, I was like, it might be my kryptonite, you know? But mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, what's, like I said, everyone has flaws, mm-hmm. you know? You can't make me feel less than myself, right? Only I can. (laughs) So. And I know how you talked about, like, you know, you had a friend tell you that you're a leader and you didn't really realize how much of a leader until he kind of said that. And I think that's huge. One, as a coach, to look at your athletes and try to bring out the best in them and understand what their superpower may be and help them kind of cultivate that more. But also, too, a huge thing for me is – and you can do this with somebody that you're in a relationship with or maybe it's a sibling or somebody that knows you really well. Is like, say, hey, like, what do you think is something that's a, a big strength of mine or, like, a, a list of things? Um, I had my wife do that, and it really, like, makes you reflect and, and kind of have a little bit more self-awareness, but also it, like, brings out more of you that stuff that you may not have even thought you were good at. Yeah. And it just raises your confidence level overall. And it helps you hone in on the stuff that you're really good at. So I yeah. think that that's a good, um, you know, thing to do that, you know, if it's something that you've never asked, you know, somebody outside of yourself, like, hey, what do you think I'm good at? I think yeah. that's a good exercise to do. And I would, I would add on top of that. So I'm reading a book right now called Changemaker by John Berardi, the mm-hmm. owner of Precision Nutrition. And it's a very, like, interactive book. But it was basically the same exercise shoot out a list of questions. So like, what, what are my values? What are my strengths? Um, shoot it out to like five to six people and then do the list yourself. Ask yourself the same questions and then put them all side by side and find common themes. 
because if you you know if like you need a little bit more data points right obviously more data is mm -hmm. just going to get you better results but having all of those people and like with me like i did it i chose people from all different parts of my life so it was like my mom um you know two of my best friends an old coworker, an old mentor and somebody who just met me within this year right so then i gave myself a ton of data where it's like the common themes that i got were a lot of times like stuff that i didn't even realize that I, that i thought were strengths you know but you see those things come up over and over and over again and then now you have a better idea, a little bit more self-awareness, ability to define your story, but then you have an ability to tell your story and utilize it and like optimize it, mm -hmm. right? But if you never ask yourself or ask others those questions, you're not gonna find those answers. Like it's, it doesn't just pop up in daily life, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's um, cool, I gotta try that. Yeah, and then so the, the last question I have for you is, um, if you could give yourself advice at any point in your life, what would the advice be and what would the, the time frame be that you would give it? Ooh. I know that sounds very like cliche or whatever. I just tell myself to keep going, mm -hmm. keep going, keep moving. You know, when, when would you have told yourself? I would have, Ooh, that's a good question. Probably around that time I was saying like that junior year, sophomore, junior mm -hmm. year, keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, that was such a, pivotal time and but so young so young. even now i'm sure we'll be saying like five ten years from now so young yeah we're yeah. gonna be like man it's only 28 like mm -hmm. you know i keep going and, and and move at your pace you know there's um this one uh pastor i i listen to he does a podcast and he had a like sermon it was called stride versus drive mm -hmm. you know like a lot of us especially today's culture we're striving to get things Right, we're moving fast, and uh, and he just kind of just broke it down. He's like, "You guys ever drove like 90 in a car, and like look to the side and you can't see nothing, mm -hmm. you know?" And he's like, well, "But when you know um, the whole stride, you're moving at your own pace, mm -hmm. moving at your own pace, and if you see something that you know, it like catches your eye or it doesn't seem right, you can slow it down, you know, adjust it, right? Adjust to it, like we were saying, mm -hmm. and and keep moving forward." You know, because there's moments I get caught in that hamster wheel effect where I'm like, I feel like I'm moving, but I'm not getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. But then when I slow things down, like, hey, okay, look at the list I've made, take it one step at a time. I'm like, man, I'm actually, you know, and it may not be I'm setting myself up for the week. I might be setting myself up for months to come for the following year, you know. Um, and that's it, the whole, like, this keep going, you know, keep moving forward, learn something new every day. Keep um, putting into yourself, keep putting into your clients, put into the people um, that can give you the most value. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I would probably tell that, you know, 15, 16 year old kid that you're not trying to be someone else, you know, just create your story. Like, you know, this is the stuff my dad was telling me. That's where the whole define yourself came from, from my dad. Like, mm -hmm. we'd be doing late night workouts. Um, do lunging on the field, bear crawls, whatever it was. When I, it didn't hit like that I was, you know, he, he was one of those people that was trying to bring something out of me that he made us all. But like I said, it didn't click until after I got hurt. Like I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, training and doing stuff until my perception changed. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, you've been creating your whole story this whole time, you know? Um, that's why I would encourage, I would encourage that to people, man, keep going. I don't, you know, no matter if you're feeling stuck or not, you know, I, I know 
there's more awareness and more light on issues. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, hey, at the end of the day, you're the only one looking in the mirror. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. So you said um, you read a lot of books last year. Mm-hmm. Was there any? Was there one specific one that really stood out that impacted you? Ooh. Leaderships by John Maxwell. Mm. Yes, that like that man. That was like an epiphany moment where I was just like, it was crazy because it. it when we think of leaders, we think of you need to be leading from the front and this and that, but it almost, that book was almost like you got to step outside yourself for a little bit. And there's going to be moments where you are leading from the back, mm-hmm. right? Um, that whole being vulnerable thing, like that's a huge quality of being a leader, mm-hmm. you know, because if somebody doesn't know you, I'm not going to ride or die with you. <laughs> yep. Like that's simply how it is. That's how training is. Like, I tell my athletes right at the jump, like our first session, honestly, with my athletes, if I have a new athlete, a client, it's almost like I'm just trying to get to know you. Mm-hmm. Like, like when we call assessment, it's like, yes, we'll do like some FM, you know, FMS, but I want to get to know you like so we can move forward. I want you to get to know me, you know, know like what happened in college, what happened when I was young, like get to the point to where, you know, you feel comfortable to hit me up outside of training. You know what I mean? Um, so that book, man, John Maxwell, and he has so many other books. Um, but, yeah, that leadership's books was clutch. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to have to pick that up. Yeah, it's a good word. Um, where can people find you? Get more. Yeah. Info. So, man, look at me on Instagram, Gabe Lemon. Um, so the whole G6 performance stuff is on my page. Like I said, you're just getting me. So you'll see some training videos. You'll see videos of my wife, daughter, or whatever it is. Um, as far as the gym I'm training at, I play Makers Elite, located mm-hmm. off Arden and Howe. Um, those are the two main streets. Um, Twitter, I, this, I think it's Gabe Lemon as well. Facebook, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Man, I just want to thank you for coming on here, being vulnerable, showing your true self. And I mean, it, uh, every time we talk is great, but. Yeah. Um, your ability to tell your story and really be true to who you are is, is pretty incredible. So thank you for being here. Appreciate um, you. Thank you. Absolutely. Other than that, that is a wrap on this episode of Strength Roots Podcast. If you guys have any questions, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. Hyperthrive Athletics is our username, and we'll catch you next time. Stay up to date on everything HTA. Follow us now on Instagram at Hyperthrive Athletics.